Hey everyone, welcome back to Canopy Cast. This is John Michael Price. With me are my two co-hosts, Christopher McGurn and Michael O'Connor. Today we have with us Andy Seth. Andy, welcome to the show. You're welcome. Happy to be here. <laughs> I love there it. There we go. Uh, Andy's the CEO of Flow Marketing, number one best-selling author. Uh, Andy, for our audience, if you could just give them a little bit of a background on you know your story, you know, your experience with business, uh, maybe how you got started, you know what your passions are, and ultimately like what led you to where you are today. Yeah. All right. Let's 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 tell the story that I don't talk about too much because there's the official on the oh, books. Boy. Here's where I paid taxes, and then there's the here's what I did for real. <laughs> <laughs> and there were no taxes involved. All right. Oh, uh, boy. Okay. I'm going to give it to you guys because I, I kind of like the vibe. Hey, hey that we in, got in appreciation <laughs> of the new official tax day, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, here I come admitting that I wasn't paying taxes. But um, all right. So just a little background. I grew up in L.A. Um, I'm, I'm the son of two in Indian immigrants. We lived in a uh, a motel from the age for me of zero to 14. Uh, even though we're Indian, we did not own it. Uh, despite, despite the, uh, the cliches and the stereotypes, no seven elevens, no taxis and no motels, but we did live in one. Um, and so we lived in this motel and there's, I could, we could talk about the stories and the things that I saw and how that was, what life was like there for hours. But, um, it gives you a little bit of a setting of how I grew up a family of four living in a motel room for 14 years um, and even today, till this day, that actually got torn down and, uh, the lot sits empty. How many lots of that size in LA would sit empty for 28 years? Like it's empty still. If you went on Google maps, like you'd see it's, it's an empty lot. Um, so kind of wild, kind of a wild story, but growing up there, um, you know, I saw a lot of stuff, I guess that would make me pretty aware of the fact that we didn't have much money. Um, so I think there was a time where like, I didn't know, you know, you're young and you didn't know, but when we, we actually went bankrupt on top of living in the motel, um, we went bankrupt when I was eight. And so that really started out the whole, like, Hey, how come we got all these people calling, asking us for money? And like, I would lie to my parents, oh, no, I would lie to the people on the phone and say like, my parents weren't here and you know, like mail would come. And I kind of started to see like what was happening. And so, um, and, you know, like a lot of parents will say this now, but, you know, like, oh, I, I can't get you whatever. We can't afford it and stuff like that. Like I knew we couldn't afford it. And so when I was uh, right around 10 years old, um, there was a there was a well in me, I wanted to have some money. I just wanted to like have something, some money to do stuff with. It wasn't like a whole lot of money. I'm 10 years old. You know what I'm saying? But like I knew I wanted some money. And there was a, a factory near our place. Well, in my head, it was a factory. I think technically it was a commercial print shop is what it was. Um, I just didn't know it was like this big building with a fenced up, you know, uh, garbage area. Like, like the big garbage cans were in the back and it was all fenced up. Um, and so just like being a little hood rat, you know, one day I was like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to hop the fence real quick and just see what's going on. So I hopped the fence, hop in the dumpster. And um, inside the dumpster was like, sheets and sheets and sheets of printouts of stuff that was being printed and it happened to be stickers and they were like the stickers they were printing were were like surf and skate stickers you know in LA it was kind of a hot thing so it was like town and country to Varney to you know like brands like that and um, so I saw the stickers and I was like yo I could probably like sell some of these because stickers were hot you know what I'm saying like 
book covers, you had stickers, lockers, stickers, like stickers were on bikes. They were everywhere. So I just put some in a bag. Um, I went back and, you know, got a backpack, but I put some in a bag, cut them up because there were definitely some rejects. I think that's what ended up happening. There were ones that in my eyes were like, oh, these don't look good. Let me cut those ones out. And then I cut the other ones up. And so I'd go to school and sell them for 25 cents a piece or five for a buck. It was just real nice little, real nice little hustle. Well, stickers got mad popular. Like people weren't just buying a couple stickers. They were buying a lot of stickers. And so I started basically just dumpster diving and pulling the stickers, selling them, pulling stickers. And then I had a couple of boys that were like, yo, let me sell them with you. And so I just get some more sheets, cut them up and they would give me a little cut of the money. I don't even, I don't even know if we had an agreement, frankly, like they just gave me some, broke me off. I took whatever. Right. Uh, and then Mr. Takubo, the principal, he busted us. Um, Mr. Takubo <laughs> was like, you can't be selling stickers. <laughs> That's cool. But I had saved up some cash and, um, and, and while I was doing this, uh, there was this, this is like such a hood story. There was this dude named Dell. You guys know Dell the Funky Homo Sapien? He's like an old school rapper. Um, yeah. If you guys are into hip hop, anybody. But Dell the Funky Homo Sapien was this old school rapper. Well, there was this dude named Dell from, from, the, from the neighborhood. And so we used to call him Funky just because it was like, I don't know, he looked kind of funky and it was kind of like Dell the Funky Homo Sapien. So Funky came around and, uh, and he had this bike. And he was like, yo, you want to buy this bike? And I was like, bet. Like, how much is the bike? He's like, 10 bucks. I was like, Psh, I got 10 bucks. So I dropped 10 bucks, buy this bike, tell my mom and dad, hey, I got this bike. And they're like, where'd you get the bike? I was like, oh, Funky, get, Funky sold it to me. Okay, all right. Well, in hindsight, the bike was definitely stolen. Oh, <laughs> Funky, no. well, I know Funky straight up stole that bike. But I don't know, not now. I, it wasn't like I knew that then. So I took this bike and I was like, well, my sticker, <laughs> my sticker game is busted. Let me go get a paper route. And there was this lady that lived up the top of 243rd Street at this top of the hill. And over there, she always had like her garage open and people would come in, folding papers, stuffing them in their bags, and they roll out to do their route. So I rolled up one day with my bike and I was like, hey, I want a route. And she was like, well, you could try a day, you know, see if it works, blah, 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 and kind of give you the thing. And so I did it. And um, next thing you know, my mom was helping me on Wednesdays and Sundays because Wednesday and Sunday papers had like big inserts and they were real heavy. And I was 10 years old trying to carry back. So, you know, my mom helped me out a little bit and uh, I ended up like having a double route and that was all, like all how I made money. But the paper route was definitely, definitely under the table. Now that I think about it, like I would go do knock door to door to get what we call starts and you would start people and be like, hey, you want to get the paper? And if they didn't have the paper, you know, you would, you would collect the first rent, the first dues and those first dues, I would just pocket. I'm pretty sure I had to like tell the route or something. I forget how it worked, but like I just pocketed the first month. So I was like, that's called commission and y'all get the rest of the payments. I don't know. It was kind of cool, man. It was like, you know, cash days. Like we didn't have all that square bullshit. It was like, you could just pocket it. <laughs> so <laughs> I did. Um, so there, there you go. There's my, there's the real story of how I started making money. It that's wasn't until I was 13 that I started paying taxes. <laughs> wow. Hey, that's, that's younger than most people can say. Most people oh, yeah. don't have to worry about taxes until they graduate high school and then they're slapped in the face by adulthood. Especially now, people are like, what the, what the hell are these taxes things? Because I know I, I was kind of a lot, my, my story was a lot less hood, as you say, but I was, I was definitely along the same lines. I helped a couple of people start businesses um not like on the business side of things but as you know co-worker like hey you need hands in the shot whatever like mm -hmm. stuff. and uh, i did that in high school 
Um, no, uh, I don't. I don't want to give anything away because it was definitely illegal. Uh, Yours was illegal too. Oh, mine was super illegal. Uh, oh boy! Hey, I think this is a thing, by the way. Somebody, somebody started a business, and I was, I was well old enough to know the difference. But I was like sixteen, and they were like, "Hey, we need some extra workers, but we don't want any extra people on payroll. I'll pay you like ten bucks flat an hour, no taxes, in cash. Work forty hours a week if you want to." And I was like, "Hell yeah!" Like that's no, ta- I don't have to do shit with that. It's all cash. And I was like, I don't know what you're going to do as a business, but that's not my problem. You know, like, I don't whatever. Yeah. And so I was like one of the only people there that wasn't a W-2. And there were like other people my age. And I just happened to know the person who, who owned this business. And he's like, yeah, come on in. Like, let's, let's do this. And I, like, at first I was like, is this guy actually going to pay me? Like, you know, but I knew him and I was like, nah, he's, he's straight. He's definitely going to pay me. I don't have to worry about it. And like first paycheck. It was literally just, it was the sketchiest thing. I was just an envelope of cash with my name yes. on it. And I was like, hell yeah. Yes. Dude. But you know what, bro? The envelope of cash, like, you could feel that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah. right now, everything's digital. So, like, it hits the bank and you kind of, you know it. But it, it's just numbers debiting and crediting. Yeah. Like, when you could feel the cash, you're like, oh, oh it, was great. It, was, you know? it was absolutely great. I did that and I, uh, I learned how to play guitar. And I started teaching guitar lessons a year later just because I was like, mm. I was obsessed with guitar. I started teaching intro lessons a year later and I was like one of the only people in my town that was teaching guitar. Mm-hmm. So I was able to charge like 25 bucks an hour because I was actually like helping people. And it, was, it, was, it wasn't like swimming me about it. It was, it was totally worth it. But like I was able to charge like 20, 25 bucks an hour and I was doing like eight hours of lessons a week with that. Yo, I, here, here's what I want to know. I want to know in the audience, if you're listening right now and you started an illegal business, I want to know because I'm fascinated by this concept. How many yeah. people who became entrepreneurs started some illegal thing first? So if you did, where can they drop this comment? If they're listening to this podcast right yeah. now, where can they drop a comment and say like, yeah, I did. Tell them, where can they yeah. do it? Tell them. I know, I know Mike has a good story on that. He actually, he actually got in a little bit of trouble. But where can they uh, drop the comment? Yeah, yeah, I want to see. On, oh yeah. LinkedIn you can do it. got LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, oh, yeah. Facebook, wherever people okay. want. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Put it, put it wherever you're hearing this, but put, tell us if you started an illegal yes. business. I want to know and I will follow yeah, this. Uh, right after, fact, right after you, this. I was oh. gonna say right after this, I'll just start a poll on LinkedIn. Yes. And tag you in it. Yeah. Share Dude. it. Like, let's see. Yes. Yeah. Watch. Watch. <laughs> I pro. Oh, that's I, great. Let's put some bets on it. Hey, let's put some friendly bets on it. All right. Oh, My Lord. bet is, I bet you over under. I bet you were. Thirty five percent. Thirty five percent of entrepreneurs have done something illegally to make money. Like young, I'm not talking about they're shady now, but like, you know, they did some, they at some point made money and didn't pay taxes. Let's frame it that way. Yeah, I bet like you 35%. What's your guys' bet? Over under 30%. Oh, it's more than that. I'm going I'm to say upwards of 50. Ooh, over 50? I was going to think, I was gonna think about that. it. The, the market you have on LinkedIn, uh, people, people today are too lazy. They don't, they don't want to work anyway. But, but the, the audience you're going to get on LinkedIn, I bet it's over that because it's, it's, gonna be a lot of people you know 30s 40s 50s mm. who are answering this oh question. yeah and back then it was way easier to get yeah. away with way easy. that's true that's it true yeah. way easier 
Oh, uh, you might, you yeah. might. All right, you might be right. All right, well, let's see, let's see what comes I back. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I was gonna... It could be biased to the poll too. It's kind of embarrassing if you get asked and you're like, "No, I've been paying taxes." It's kind yeah. of embarrassing. You know what I mean? No, my shit was legit. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, hey, I'll, I'll admit it though. Like those good, those guitar lessons. I didn't, I didn't record any of that. Was, that was all in cash. Too. I know you did. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I know. I feel like there's an underground economy, man. We don't talk about it enough. Oh, That's why I, I like to shoveling, start it off this way with you guys. Shoveling driveways and all that stuff? Like, come on. Oh, man. did that too. Blowing leaves, like Didn't cutting pay a grass. Damn cent. Yard work, uh, any of that stuff. Yeah. So there's always that one box on the tax forms that says, like, you know, wages, tips, blah, blah, blah. Give me the self report. Psh, psh, zero. <laughs> <laughs> you mean free money? I feel like this is. I feel like this is like our equivalent. My accountant is losing his damn mind right now. <laughs> I feel like this is our equivalent of the uh, the Joe Rogan episode with Elon Musk of uh, smoking the bullets. Yeah, this is our. <laughs> We're having the moment. Yeah. Oh man! Oh shit! Yeah. Uh, oh, if you, to my to my financial controller, uh, we're good though, right? On the business, we're good. Okay. Yes, yes. We're paid all, up. Right? Uh, all statements Order. in in this episode shall be taken as satire and, and uh, satire. not punishable <laughs> under under law. All right, good. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, man. Awesome. Well, hey, that, that's great. Yeah, and I think. That's so true too from several other people that we've talked to. They're like, yeah, we like, you know, started selling newspapers or like, you know, flipping yard sale items or, or whatever it is and just like cash in hand. And there's such a raw, you know, like mentality about business that you understand when you do something for someone and they just hand you money and you yeah. go, I just did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It's and, great. And- and there's uh, like, at a raw form, there's something about just being a monster like that. Like there's something monstrous about just being able to like, yeah, I figured that out. And like, you're paying me, right? But the, a, a monster figures out how to make that kind of money. It's just that we've got to dress it up a little bit in society these days. But like, here's, my, here's what I believe. I believe we've all got monster in us. We just got to like, not let the monster out and hurt other people. We got to use the monster to help other people. But like, Man, we got monster in us, and a lot of people right now are confused because they can't let the monster out. They kind of think like, "Oh, I gotta only help other people." And look, I'm—I've been. If you look me up, like, you'll see my track record of volunteerism, of raising money. Like, I'll put myself up against anybody my age and be able to say, like, I've probably done as as at least as much as anybody else that's twice my age, right? So, like, I'm not saying you shouldn't help other people. What I am saying is. Like, let the monster out every once in a while. Like, you don't have to worry about how people are thinking about you. Like, obviously, I can tell this story now and it's fun and it's in jest. But, dude, there was definitely a time where I would never have talked about this. I mean, I just told you I lived in a motel and dumpster dive. You know what I'm saying? Like, at some point, that was embarrassing to the point of I'm not going to talk about it. Until finally, I could get to a point of, actually, I don't really care. And I've kind of made it anyway, so whatever. But the truth is, like, you never had to have made it. You don't have to be embarrassed about that stuff. Like, that monster needs to come out every once in a while. And, it, and to our listeners here, like, if that's you, I'm just telling you, like, let it out. Don't worry so much about how people – what are people going to say? They're going to be like, oh, man, look at him. Like, he's always trying to, like, be on the move selling his stuff. And, like, that drives me nuts. It's like, I don't self-promote that often. But, look, when I was launching my book and my album – uh, and damn right they went number one bestseller. I got fans in 36 countries on my album, like – yeah, like, I was a monster about my promotion. I had some people talking shit like, oh, you always promote this. I was like, motherfucker, you see Coke ads all day. 
You see ads all day. They promote, what are you saying to them? But me, the little hustler, like now you're going to talk shit? Fuck you, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, be a monster every once in a while. Go get yours. Go figure it out. And make sure you don't, don't cheat. Don't lie. Don't hurt people. Help people when you're doing it. But like, let that beast out every once in a while. That's my message. I didn't even come in here to say that, but I'm telling you now. <laughs> shit. Got me all fired up. There you go. With my sparkling watermelon water. Build out and then crashed. <laughs> love it. Oh man, yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your your book and your album. If we could, you know, take it yeah. take uncover that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um well what do you want to know? I mean I got them. What do you want what would you really like to know about? It? Let's let's peel it back. It's, so, so obviously you're not going to be able to read the whole thing to us right now, but inspiration is, is a huge one. And then, you know, just like synopsis for all those lazy people out there who don't want to have to read. I'm, I'm refraining from raising my hand right now. Um, what's the, what's the gist of the story? Like, it, and you know, when you write a book, you obviously have the inspiration for it. And I feel like that's really what the book is about is like what inspired you to write the book in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, I had written a book, uh, about like how to be what I call a strategic giver, how to, how to give and help people strategically so that it benefits you. I'm not really of the mindset, like altruistic giving, which is completely unselfish. just doesn't really exist in, in the level that people will claim it should like, People kind of say like you should give and help other people without any want for yourself. I agree with that financially. I don't agree with that from a fulfillment standpoint, right? And so I wrote this book and said, how can you help people and give in a way that benefits you? So it's it's symbiotic. You're not going to bleed out because you're always giving and helping people, but then you don't have anything for yourself. Like, wants to do that like that's not a good that's not a good concept matter of fact if you read adam grant's book give and take he talks about the the bottom of the success ladder are givers then matchers and takers but at the top are also givers so what's the difference between the givers at the bottom and the top the difference is the ones at the top are strategic about their giving so i had written a book that took a lot of my own stories but stories of other people who i know are really strong strategic givers wrote this book had this book ready manuscript is done and I had to medit- I meditate a lot. So I was in a meditation and I had like this message come to me and I came out of the meditation. I was like, whoa, what was that? And so I told my wife about it and, and I was like, I think that's for this keynote. I was, I, I do a, I'm a, a keynote speaker like four years running now for this all black leadership foundation. And uh, so I, I thought maybe this message was meant for that. And the message was basically like about this, rapper who goes on a journey of self-development and like kind of a spiritual journey but like from a hip-hop standpoint I was like maybe it's for that audience you know maybe I'm supposed to be like delivering that as my keynote and I was like I don't know so I went up to go write the speech because I don't usually write a speech I have some stories I got to tell and all that go up to write the speech a little bit early because I was thinking well I don't even have this like formulated uh ended up writing from 11 p.m. to like 2.45 a.m. I had the speech to deliver at 8 a.m. And it was way too long, way, way, way too long. And I was like, what is this, dude? Like, universe, I showed up, I did the work, but like, this ain't a speech. Like, what is this? It's way too long. It's not even like, 
And I was like, oh my God. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to trust it. Like somehow this message came to me and like the idea, I wasn't actively thinking about it. And now I've got all these words to it and it's not a speech. So I closed my laptop, meditated when I got up in the morning and um, it turned out like the idea was just like, we'll just read it to the audience. So I read it to the audience and I told them, I was like, hey, I wrote this last night. I haven't even scrolled up. So like it's coming from the source straight to you. Let's see what happens. Yo, the, the question and answer period was out of this world. It was a 45 minute speech with another hour Q and A. I've never had that. It's usually, and my time allotment was actually only an hour, 45 minute speech, 15 minute Q and A, right? Off you go. The Q and A was so bananas that people were like, it was like, we just extended into lunch basically. And so I came home and I was like, yo, I gotta, that's a story. I gotta, I gotta write that. It's a story. So I wrote this book and I shelved my other book. I shelved the book that was in pub, in my publisher's hand. And I told my publisher, Hey, I know I wrote this book. It's, we're ready to roll with it, but I got this other story. And by the way, it's not a nonfiction. And by the way, they're a publisher that only does nonfiction. I wrote a parable and it's a parable about a rapper. And this rapper goes to India and he like starts to learn all this stuff. And it's influenced by Nas and by the Beatles and by like all these different influences. There's hip hop lyrics. There's all this stuff. And then I was like, can you publish it? And they were like, what? <laughs> what? Now I'm gonna tell you, my publisher is called Scribe Media. Their CEO is a dude named JT McCormick. JT is the homeboy. JT came up with nothing too. If you ever look up JT's story, matter of fact, he should be on the show. JT is just like me, comes from nothing and made something. So he could feel like what I was talking about, but he wanted to make sure he could, they, his team could do justice to my story. Anyways, they came back and were like, because it's a parable, it is fiction, but it's got lessons. And ultimately, we want to make sure we can edit that. You know, we can, we can do that justice. They came back and said, yeah. So there we went. Uh, we went through the whole publishing process. And I, I mean, man, when I, started, when I started writing the last chapter, I'm not going to spoil the book. Um, but when I started writing the last chapter, the last chapter, the rapper goes through this like transformation and starts to put these different sounds together with these different beats. He's in India. So he's putting like these Indian sounds with hip hop and fuses that energy together. While I'm writing this, I could hear it. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about this. So I could hear this music and I was like, yo, I want some of that. Like that stuff is fire. Now, mind you, I was a DJ for, uh, from the age of 13 to 22. That's the legal business that I, that I had. So I was a professional DJ, like headlined in nightclubs and stuff like that. So like, I have, I have a good ear for music. I, I know that, but I've never produced music. I never made music, but I was hearing this and I was like, yo, this stuff is fire. Like I want this to exist in the world. So I thought about it. And I was like, maybe it's supposed to be an audio book. Maybe I'm supposed to like lay some tracks for an audio book. So I go searching for some music. Nothing at all did that. And like, there are songs that have Indian sounds and hip hop, like, you know, Jay-Z's uh, and Jay-Z and Punjabi MC, right. They have that one song. Uh, Eric Sermon, React, like there's some songs out there, but not a lot. So I was like, well, why don't I just make this? Like, let me just write, like make some, I'm sure there's people that can help me make this. I, you know, I'm not technically savvy, but I got the sounds. I just need to translate it. So I started thinking about, well, if I make some beats, why don't I just write some lyrics? I could write. I actually write rhymes on my own. Like, why don't I just write some lyrics? Matter of fact, if I'm gonna write lyrics and put beats, and make a song, why don't I just make an album? Then I was like, yo, I could make a soundtrack for the book. And like my head exploded. I was like, what? Like, 
You, I could make a soundtrack to book. Books get turned into movies. Movies get soundtracks, but books don't got soundtracks. So either it's a terrible idea or <laughs> it's some new shit. And I was kind of like, I think this is some new shit. So chapter for chapter, track for track. Every track matches or is influenced by each chapter. So if you hear the tracks and you've read the book, you'll get the lessons like this. Because one of the things I know is how fast we can recall lyrics, right? As, a, as if I'm a creative with a message and my job is to spread that message through my creativity, why am I limiting myself to one medium then? Like music, people can recall. I could tell you lyrics just like you could tell me lyrics from like way back in the day. But tell me a paragraph from a book. You can't do it. Not to say they're not influential. It's just to say that you can't recall as well. And with lyrics, you can recall. So here I was like, oh my God, this is a great way to spread this message. So I went all in. I got I hired a whole crew, a whole production crew. I hired a co-writer just to make sure my lyrics were tight. I hired beat makers. I hired uh, mixed masters, like different artists. There were artists I found on YouTube that I did collabos with. Like, you know, the, art, the, the whole album was its own project. And I dropped the book and the album on November 8th of 2019 with 500 people at a nightclub and threw a huge party for it, pre-COVID, thank you very much. So I had three drops on one day, book, album, party. And dude, the universe did the rest. Number one bestseller, album is in 36 countries, like spinning, dude, I got Shazammed in Belgium last week. I got Shazammed in Belgium. First of all, where's my song playing in Belgium? And second of all, who was like, yo, that's hot. Let me Shazam that. Like, that's what's happening now. You know what I mean? That's what's happening. So, so anyways, that's like where the inspiration came from. That's where, that's where the whole story came from. So anyway, if you're interested in checking out the book too, I'm going to give, because I, I feel like your audience might dig this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's called Bling, B-L-I-N-G, Bling. And it's on Amazon, right? Like you can check it out there by Andy Seth. My album is everywhere, YouTube, Spotify, Tidal, like everywhere, wherever, you, Apple Music. And it's under my artist name, A-Love, A-L-U-V. A-Love is also the main character in Bling, so super meta. So like you can listen to the music, you can check out the book, and I'm going to make an offer for right now. So if, you got, if you're listening to this, pick up your phone right now, whether you're working out, if you're like driving, pick up your phone and text this number. Because if you text this number and text you what I'm about to say, the first three people who text... I'm going to give, I'm going to send personally autograph a signed copy of my book and mail it to you. Okay. First three people that do this. So here's the phone number 646-495-9867. 646-495-9867 and text the words, feel me flow. You know, not, not all one word, three words, feel me flow. Text feel me flow. First three people, I'll drop you a hand, like autographed, signed copy of my book and I'll put it in the mail for you. Cool. That's awesome. Wait, hold on a second. Three people. I, I may or may not. So I think the three of us are going <laughs> to. Three of us. Before we even. But that is. Before we publish the episode, we should get three times. Yeah, if you, if you get a text later tonight, we, just, we publish it super fast. Super fast. <laughs> super fast. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, though. Hey, man, I mean, Logic, Logic did pretty much the same thing, so it can't be that bad of an idea. I mean, here's what's, hey. here's what's awesome. Logic published Supermarket while I was producing my album. No mm. way. Yeah. Like, look at the dates. Supermarket yeah. came out in April. What? 
dude, yeah, like this is crazy. Like, this is not a bad idea. Supermarket as a story was kind of whack, though. Yeah, <laughs> makes Did you read sense. It? It's logic. <laughs> I, yeah, I I read. I just, I well, anyway, like right I love logic. Out, yeah, logic is awesome, man. The, really the story was kind of whack, though. But, but anyway. I mean, hey, the, the songs were a little whack too. If you like the, with the yeah, he was kind of experimenting on shit. It wasn't like yeah. a logic album. But at the same time, it was like it's it. His his it thing was. is so weird because you know his story, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, so that's just from album to album. It's not even like a logic. Yeah, that's album. true. So yeah. I, I don't know. Hey, Anyways, so uh, so basically, you just said I'm in is me and logic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there it is. All right, there you go. And that we're one not, dude in Belgium damning my shit. One, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That should be a whole genre though. Just books that have I love that full albums with them. Like that. That should be a thing. I'd, I, I know. I want to listen to. A, I want to read. I'm a listening book. to it right after this. I'm gonna put it on. I'm telling you, bro. And. Bro, I got 808s all up in it, so like, turn it up. Mm. And I did flex a little bit because I speak Spanish fluently. I flexed Ooh. on one of my songs called Union. I found this uh, this lady. She's a, a Cuban American now, but like, she's Cuban originally. Has this beautiful Spanish voice. And while I'm laying the tracks for Union, I'm like, yo, I feel like this has the Spanish vibe. Like, I want to get a little like, just a little, uh, you know, a little sexy Spanish girl singing on this. So I go to YouTube and I'm looking up, you know what I'm saying? Like looking up singers and I found this girl. Dude, she was, her name's Karen Ender. She, her, her music was so hot. I was like, oh, I got to get her on this track. So I rewrote some of the, there's like, I rewrote the hook and the bridge from English into Spanish. And when I wrote those into Spanish and then I have her singing the hook and the bridge and then I have a rapper doing like the regular flows or not regular, but like, you know, the flows. Oh my God, dude, super sexy. And, and just so you know, I wrote that. I wrote it. Like, that's, awesome. that's not ghost written. I wrote that stuff in Spanish. But that was like a flex. You know, I was like, hmm, I'm doing this multilingual too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Too that's much. Awesome. Too much. That's great. Yeah. We're, we def- we're definitely going to drop the links to all that. Do it. For sure. Get those, get those texts out too. Oh, yeah. Even before the episode. Uh, I mean, oh man, we're we're starting to run low on time. It's absolutely flown by. I can't believe how much time has passed. But yeah, Chris, Chris, and Mike, do you guys have any any last questions to wrap thing, things up? Or Andy, do you have any questions for us? No, <laughs> this is about me, player. <laughs> <laughs> the beast has you're been. Not, I'll not listen to your wrong. episode later. <laughs> <laughs> we we that's right. We gotta do. Okay, you just gave me an idea. We got to do an episode where, like, each of the three of us is a guest. And the other two, in it, that, that, that'd be way too deep. We know way too much shit about each other. I don't want to I take it back. I don't, don't want to do that. <laughs> it would be a roast. <laughs> it would be a roast. It would just be a roast. Oh, my God. And I, do, I do have a final question. Man, the time has flown by here. Uh, we want to respect your time, too. Um, I, I think I have a question in terms of, you know, just the, I, I love seeing the, like the creative juices in you. You're so enthusiastic. You got like so much going on. Like where, where do you think, you know, was it in your upbringing and experiences? Where do you think you really got your creative side? So it's so prevalent. You know, you're ta- we were talking about your, your business side, you know, selling the stickers and everything, but where does that creative side, where did that kind of come into play first? Hmm. <clears throat> I guess I feel like there's a bunch of sides to every person. Like there's a, 
like, yeah, there's this creative side. There's this, like, for me, I got a family, you know, I got two little kids. Like there's all these different sides of us. Um, I think the question is which ones you choose to feed. So like, I don't know if that I have a side that other people don't have. I just choose to feed it a lot. And so when I have ideas, like I try to figure out how I can go execute them. You know, like I've, I've got businesses, right? So like my biggest creative side is the companies that I build, right? I've had multi-million dollar companies and not like internet cheesy, like, oh, I've, like I've never heard of you on any awards or magazines. Look me up and you'll find me because it's documented what I've done. Look these other fools up and you can't find them anywhere. So like, I'm telling you, like I've actually built these businesses and that's a huge expression of creativity, but I feed it. So then at some point when I have an idea like, ooh, I should make an album, it's not crazy to me. That, that's the difference. It's not crazy to me. Bless you. Right now, everything is doable. We can all probably do whatever we can imagine. Like there's always, at this point especially, there's resources. Might be a matter, matter of like money or whatever, but like I just do them. Like I feel like, like I know things are going to be cool. You know, I think if, of anything, I, one thing I got my pulse on is like, this is going to be hot. And like, maybe not always, but even my stuff that's not hot is pretty hot. Like, and, and why? Because I guess like, I try to, like, I don't even try. Like, I'm just naturally staying up on things. Like you said, your audience is whatever, you know, anywhere between 20, 30, maybe even the teens, like, right. But I'm 42, but like, dude, we could still go toe to toe on music all day. I still got turntables. Like I still spin in my own house. Like I'm still way current. So it's like, if you're not staying up, like your mind isn't fresh. Like people resign to like this mentality. Like, oh, I'm older now. I don't do that. Well, yeah, you old then. Like, yeah. But creativity can't be old, right? Like creativity is a, is a young person's sport mentally. It's a young person's sport mentally. And when you're, when you're age-wise young, yeah, you, you just haven't been like, basically like it hasn't been covered up. So you're more willing to express it. My little five-year-old and seven-year-old, they're, they're great with creativity. No one's told them it, it's not practical yet. No one's told them your, your shit is ugly, right? Like, like yeah, but I don't feel like my shit is ugly. Like it might be, but like I want it. I heard that sound and I wanted this to exist. I felt that story and I wanted it to exist. I saw this problem in the market and I wanted it to exist. So when you have that in you, you got to feed that beast. That's why I come out and say, like, be a monster every once in a while. Let's stop being so soft. Like, be a beast. You got ideas? Go do it. Who cares what other people think? Like, if you got the, the means or you don't, like, it's going to just be tempered. If I didn't have any money and I wanted to make music, it would have sounded different. I still would have done it. Right? I still would have done it. I would still dumpster dive. Like, my version of making music is nowhere near Drake's mu version of making music. Right. So like we we're he, he's looking at me like, that's cute. I know that. But like, that's what I wanted to have. Like, so I think you got to feed the things that are in you. And that's real balance. Work life balance is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of shitty. I'm actually going on a podcast called something like that. Work life balance for, with the intent of being like, I think this is wrong. Right. <laughs> I think it's wrong. I don't think work life balance. I think you got to just know what needs to be fed in you. Balance that. Feed it. Not ego. Not ego. Don't feed the ego. That's the wrong thing to feed, but feed that soul. But that soul got a lot of love to give, man. And like, what do you have to offer? Feed that. And, and when you feed that, man, everything's balanced. Ain't no work-life balance. Nothing like that. Just get that creativity out. There you go. Hmm. Awesome answer. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thank you for, thank you for giving me this opportunity. Uh, Chris, let's talk next time, huh? Hey. Hey, he's just the eye candy. The eye candy. He's like, look, we brought Cleveland in the house to look pretty. He's so, yeah, you know, he's you know. so pretty. Now, nah, Chris, tell me something. What do you want to know? Because before we wrap up, I know there's something. You tell me what you want. One thing I love to ask is, what's the biggest thing you've learned like through all the years? The biggest thing I've learned? Yeah. Like, what's been the most life changing lesson that you've had? Oh. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't talk too much, but when I do, I rock your world. Jesus. So. I know. And that is how we will introduce episode two with Andy. Exactly. <laughs> hey, man, I'm, I'm down to go into episode two. If you want to save that for an episode two, let's do an episode two. <laughs> oh, Chris. Um, I think the most powerful thing is what I am so hell-bent on teaching. Because mm -hmm. I spend a lot of money, a lot of time writing a book, making an album, teaching people, doing podcasts, and I don't monetize this at all. Ain't no business attached to what I'm saying. A book sale, come on. Like, okay, that's just because my publisher needs to make some money. That ain't for me, right? The message in my book is what I feel is the single most important thing. Mm -hmm. And if that ain't a hook for you to go get this book, oh, man, <laughs> you're tripping. But it's, it's, it's what's in the book. Go read it. Bling. Andy Seth. Awesome. There you go. Sounds there good. you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Andy Seth, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, we're going to be dropping links. Check out the book. Check out the album. Excellent. Check out Flow Marketing. Uh, Andy's on LinkedIn. What's your, what's your biggest social media platform that you're, you're active on? <laughs> One of my friends said, if Zoolander and LinkedIn had a baby, it would be you. <laughs> there you go whoa, whoa, I know that, no. oh man thanks so much for your time thanks for coming on the show oh you're welcome guys appreciate it all right we'll catch All you right. for everyone listening in until next time today's episode is brought to you by kidcaster kidcaster books entrepreneurs on top podcasts get on-demand podcast placements scheduled for you by professionals for a flat monthly rate where are you in your entrepreneur journey Validation, launch, traction, scale. Wherever you are, podcasts will take you further. We ain't talking about small talk. We're talking about the good stuff. Real, actionable communication. Find out more and apply today at kitcaster.com.